path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness. Fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. 
I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis. Good morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Doug. I want to welcome you to Victory Christian Fellowship in Palmyra this morning. And we're gathered here together, and we're going to have an encounter with God this morning. Amen. Our God is real. Our God is alive. Our God is up to something good. So, Heavenly Father... We are so grateful and thankful this morning that we can call upon you and you answer us and show us great and mighty things. Lord, you're our rock and our fortress. And we thank you for being in our midst this morning as we give you our praise and honor and glory. We thank you for moving by your spirit and bringing forth your word. And we just love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
Just like he did when he was going to the cross. He looked at the joy that was set before him. And we say hallelujah because we choose to be joyful. No matter what's going on in our lives. We maintain our level of strength. Which is the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. We worship you in this place, Lord. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are. We worship you in this place, Lord. We magnify your name. You're worthy to be praised, Lord. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. Come on, just give him some worship this morning. You're worthy, Lord.
something. We're going to sing this song again. But listen to this. I was just reading today, this morning in, in devotion, about how God is incomparable. There is nothing to compare him to. And we're singing about it. I didn't realize that. I think we need to highlight this today. I think we have been putting God in the apple basket when he's actually a world full of trees that he's created for. That's a comparison if you want one, but there is no comparison. Hallelujah. Everything that we see, everything in the universe was created by him. And things are still being created. What are we going to compare him to?
Let's worship him like he's the greatest.
God's goodness is running after you. Sometimes we need to slow up and let it catch up a bit. Amen? Let God's goodness overwhelm you. Enjoy His goodness. Celebrate His goodness. Praise His goodness. It's by His goodness that we have an opportunity to be saved. Oh, hallelujah. 
for your goodness, Lord. You are good. It is your nature. And Lord, we thank you now as you have inhabited our praises. Lord, you speak to us as we lean our ears toward you. my glory, my glory, my glory is settling in this place. I'm filling every part and taking up the space. I'm making the weak strong and the lost found. I'm turning hopeless situations around. For I have a work to do. A work in you and a work through you. And it's by my power and might that I will make things right. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Someone say praise the Lord. Amen. You may have your seats. We're going to take this moment to have communion. So if you have your elements... Kind of get them uh, ready, open them up, and uh, get them ready to partake. You know, they have a term, and you may have heard it, it's G-O-A-T. It stands for greatest of all time. Well, the goat is really a lamb. Amen? Jesus is the greatest of all time. And uh, what a joy we have to be able to come together in a place like this. And to celebrate his name and enjoy his presence. Aren't you glad to be able to fellowship with people of like precious faith in freedom? Amen. Hallelujah. Doesn't matter what's happening in the world or what the government is doing. But we're tuned in to God. You don't think it was hard times when uh, Nero was going around boiling Christians in oil? You don't think they had some challenging times? Or when, when persecution was so intense that they had to leave Jerusalem? Amen? I mean, the church has faced some hard times. But you know what? We got the goods that put us over the top. Amen? And this morning... We're going to celebrate communion. It is the picture of Jesus' perfect sacrifice for us. So I want you to know this morning that we are cleansed, purified, and sanctified by His blood. You know, God uses blood as a purification. It, It dissolves sin. Amen. It's the only substance in the universe 
that can dissolve sin. And Moses, he even sprinkled the instruments, the altar, and the people with blood as a form of cleansing and purification. And in Hebrews chapter 9, if you want to follow along, um, starting in verse 6, Now when these things have been thus prepared, the priests always went into the first part of the tabernacle, performing the services. But in the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. And the Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. It was symbolic. And for the present time, both uh, gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him uh, who performed the service perfect in, in regard to the conscience. And uh, go down to verse 11, but Christ came as a high priest of the good things to come. Say, there's some good things on my way. Amen. Every time you wake up, you can say, there's good things to come. Amen? Alright? With the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. Where's that at? That's in heaven. Alright? And, um, not of this creation. Verse 12, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. He offered his blood on the mercy seat in heaven. And the Father accepted it. And he said, paid in full. No one owes anything anymore. Hallelujah. It was the sacrifice to end all sacrifices. That's why Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant. Hallelujah. We have a new covenant. Hallelujah. And verse 14, how much more, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. How many know, sometimes our consciences have to be cleansed so that we can serve God. Why? Why can't we serve God? Because you can't serve God when you're a mess. you got to serve God. He cleanses you. The minute I catch a fish, I don't take a bite out of it. i got to clean it first. Amen? Hallelujah. So we are cleansed by this blood. Hebrews 13, 12 says, Therefore Jesus also, that he, he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. You know, he was outside of Jerusalem. Very same place that Isaac was offered. Hallelujah. 
And, you know, we were not redeemed with silver and gold or anything like that, but we were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus. How many know the blood of Jesus is precious? It added value to us. And in Ephesians 1, 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Say, I'm forgiven and I'm free. Say that one more time. Say, I'm forgiven and I'm free. Hallelujah. It cost someone something, but it was free to you. And therefore, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 and 13, it says, Therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ. This is B.C., before Christ, before we met Jesus. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel... And strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, oh my goodness, everybody say now. Christ Jesus, you were, you were, were made, brought near by the blood of Jesus. Amen? Are you ready to partake of this meal this morning? Amen? Hallelujah. This was the last supper in honor of the Passover. Jesus took bread, he broke it, and he gave thanks, and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Let us take and eat. And then he took the cup, and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant, representative, amen? This blood was shed for you, for the remission of sins, let us drink. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we can praise the Lord for his goodness. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, I had a revelation when you said about the dead works. Mm-hmm. That it purifies our minds from dead works. Any residue of darkness, loyalty to darkness, is a dead work. Mm-hmm. Because that was done by, you had to strive Right? Dead work is anything done not by faith. Yes. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't by faith agree with darkness. Amen. So dead work, it's darkness and, and the blood of Jesus came to get rid of that and give us light. So that is involved in many things that you feel loyalty to that will lead you to death, mm-hmm. not life. Amen? So the loyalty comes... We, we have loyalty to the word of God because it's, it's the word is how we have faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So anything that will not agree with the word of God is dead work. Amen. Because That's we can't right. do it by faith. Yep. Right? So if you're grinning and bearing anything, stop grinning and drop it. Mm-hmm. Amen. All right. There's my exhortation for today. How many want the victory? Amen. How many want to be overcomers? Amen. So we have a new confession for this quarter. Yeah. And it focuses on the victory and overcoming. I want to invite you. Let's uh, all make this confession together. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Let's make our confession. 
Our victory comes through faith in God and obedience to His Word. The Lord does marvelous things for us, and by His right hand and holy arm we gain the victory. The Lord makes us victorious wherever we go. Our victory comes to us through our Lord Jesus Christ, and we are thankful to Him. We overcome our accuser, the devil, by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and we do not fear death. Because I am born of God, I overcome the world. My victory over the world is my faith in Jesus as the Son of God. As an overcomer, I partake of eternal life, and I am rescued from hell. As an overcomer, I partake of God's heavenly bread, and I have power over the nations. As an overcomer, I'm clothed in pure white, and my name is written in the book of life. In all these things, we are more victorious through him who loves us. We are persuaded that not even death or life, angels or rulers, things present or things to come, hostile powers, height or depth, or any other created thing, will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. At victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance, to proclaim the uncompromising Word of God, to build a strong body of believers, to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere, we activate God's Word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victor Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. And Pastor Fiona has some special announcements that she wants to share. Well, you know, this weekend, going to be amazing. So... If you follow their page, uh, our speaker's page, you want to go check it out, see where he was yesterday. And he was there yesterday, and he's coming here next weekend. You go check it out, find out where he was. But anyway, um, so as a result of next weekend, on Sunday, we're expecting no space left. So I would ask you, all the young people, if you consider yourself young, Maybe you want to consider sitting on the ground, <laughs> I'm for real, or bringing some lawn chairs in your cars in case we need it. We have 194 chairs, I think, something like that. We will use all the chairs, um, but we want to give preference to our guests that have traveled from out of state, right? We are hospitable church. Also, if you would consider maybe helping us to usher in the back, just kind of helping people find a spot and... Um, showing the love that we show to each other. We show it now to those that will be coming in. And um, let's have a good old time. I mean, this is like a family reunion we're about to have. Amen? We get to meet family members from all over the country. I think somebody's coming in from international as well. And um, uh, we get to hear the prophet of God and his family, a very musical family. And they're going to um, just prophesy. And bless us. Amen. I mean, this is gold, folks. If you only know that the, the um, emails we have been responding to of people begging us to come. But we're totally sold out for the conference. And um, 
But we know, see, this is why you have to stay in, the, in tune with the frequency of what's happening in the spirit and hop on things. You know, people like to wait, oh, well, there'll be time. They never get sold out. Well, this was shocking to me, too. I mean, within weeks, we're done. Like, okay. <laughs> we better tell our folks if they want to come to their own church for their own women's conference, they better tell us because uh, we're, we're, it's done. Uh, So as a result of next weekend being so special and we want everybody to be able to participate and hear what the man of God has to say in his family, we won't be having any kids' life classes, including the little ones and the older ones. Everybody will be in here. And we encourage you to bring your children so they can be in the presence of these things happening. They're not a bother. They're human beings. God knows how every human being sounds. Right? Right? Where's my little buddy up? Yeah, there you go. Give me a little wave and a little shrieking sound, yes. <laughs> but we, we just want you to be free uh, to come in and worship God and not be all uptight. Like, oh, the kids are making noise. Let them. I mean, somebody needs to do something. <laughs> so, listen, come prepared to be a blessing. Amen? We, we are hosting this weekend, and we want to, I know some of you ladies are coming for the Women's Conference. I, you know, you're going to have a great time, but consider yourself a host as well, a hostess to all of our guests that will be here, and make sure they know a little bit about Pennsylvania. Some of them might want to know where it would be a good place to go, all this good stuff. A great time for you to meet people, network, get to know some women around the country. I mean, it's awesome. So I just want to encourage you in that. Amen. <laughs> And as much of us uh, that can, uh, we're going to have some, we'll have our parking um, in front of the shed there, and uh, we're just going to create space, amen? I'm telling you, this is going to be a good week. And uh, we're going to have some parking uh, helpers that will help uh, guide and direct that. Glory to God. Well, you know, every opportunity that we have to come together, there's also an opportunity to invest in the kingdom. How many investors in the kingdom do we have here, Amen. I don't regret one investment that I've ever given into God's kingdom. I mean, God delivered, you know, some of the things that I've reaped from my giving. I was delivered from a river in New Zealand. I was delivered from countless accidents. You know, I've been in accidents that were never my fault. One time, my friend and I, we were going to a meeting in Chicago and a, a tornado had just went through this tunnel that we had to pass through. And the traffic lights were out. And um, we had stopped at the intersection. We started to pre- proceed through, but someone came barreling through on the other side and hit us broadside. No injuries. Amen. I was hit by a van as a pedestrian. And I only spent 24 hours in the hospital. Amen. I've reaped so many times. And you know why? Because I'm a giver. And God is faithful. He blessed his givers. Amen. So if you're a giver, you know. And Lord, I just give you thanks and praise for givers this morning and their gifts. Lord, you receive their gifts in heaven. And you open up your windows in heaven. And pour out a blessing so that their room can't contain it. And we just give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. So you can give anytime here in the service, in our seed planner in the back. If you're watching online, you can go to our website and do it that way. Um, all kinds of ways that you can give. We still even have our box in the back. Amen. And uh, praise God. God is good. 
Are you excited about Jesus this morning? And we have some awesome, incredible kids. We love kids. Amen. And we love that they're here and they're ready to learn about Jesus and experience his power. So kids and kids life, uh, go to your class. Have an awesome time. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> woo, woo. Hallelujah. I love that sound. The sound of thunder sounds like an abundance of rain. Amen. Well, this morning, for those of you that are aligned with God, this will be like a review, or it could be an opportunity to make some adjustments along the way. I want you to turn to two places this morning. I want you to turn to Genesis 1, and then we're going to go to John 1. Genesis 1 and John 1, and I'm going to read it from the Amplified. So if their version is a little bit different, that's okay. Because we have ears to hear, amen? Amen. See, I have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. You know, when you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, you hear more things than just what the preacher says. Right? And sometimes what the preacher says is just a spark of what the Holy Spirit wants you to know, and he'll elaborate on it. So Genesis 1.1. The Bible says, in the beginning. Everybody say the beginning. That's the first part, isn't it? Not at the end, not in the middle, but in the beginning. God Elohim created by forming from nothing the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God. Now let's go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And it says this in verse 1. In the beginning. So both the Old Testament and the New Testament agree. In the beginning, before all time, was the Word, Christ. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God Himself. Hallelujah. Where was He? He was in the beginning. He was in the first part. So this morning, I want to talk to you about first things first. First things first. Everybody say first. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. You know, sequence matters. It's a lot better to put your clothes on before you get behind the wheel than try to put them on while you're driving. Right? Sequence matters, right? Amen? And we have to recognize and understand what needs to have the first place the highest priority and the most important part is in the beginning, the first part. Amen? And in Matthew chapter 6, now, this is still the continuation of the Sermon on the Mount. You know, that was a long sermon. That, was, that covers three chapters in the Bible. Amen? 
That was a mountain conference. That wasn't just one service. That was a mountain conference, right? Jesus was healing people. He was ministering to people. Crowds were gathered. So he got onto the mountain. He sat down and he began to teach them Matthew 5, Matthew 6, and Matthew 7. All is part of that message. I admire Jesus' length of teaching and preaching. You know, one time Paul preached so long that a guy fell asleep and fell out the window. Of course, it was his farewell sermon, and then he had to raise him from the dead when he was done. And then they continued on with church. Can you say amen? You know, I welcome God to interrupt my preaching any time to perform a miracle sign and wonder. That's quite all right. I love it when God butts in. Amen. And we're going to pick up this message at verse 19. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. It says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth, where moth and rust does corrupt or decay or destroy. And where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust does corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Aren't you glad there's no moth, rust, or stealing in heaven? Amen? Heaven is a safe place. It's the best place To store your goods. Right? So, he says there are two places where a person can lay up treasure. One place is on earth. But on earth, your treasures are not guaranteed. On earth, uh, they're not God-backed. Does that mean I should never do anything on earth? That's not what he's saying. What he's really talking about is priority, importance, value. Okay? See, on earth, earth is perishable. Earth is short-lived, brief, and temporal. But then there's another place where we could lay treasures on. And that's we could lay up treasures in heaven. And that place is spiritual, heavenly, eternal, and forever. How many, you know, investing in heaven means we're investing in God's work and God's will and God's plan. So when God is doing something on the earth and we participate with what God is doing, we're actually investing in heaven. Did you know when you serve, you're investing in heaven? When you give in a service or in a meeting, you're investing in heaven. When you exercise your gifts for someone else, you're investing in heaven. Amen? So where are you going to lay up treasure? The word for moth is actually a devourer. You know, if you have a nice garment that's been hanging in the closet... And that's got some moths in that closet. What happened? The moths put holes in that garment. And it doesn't make it so nice anymore, right? And rust rust is an erosion or corrosion. All right? 
But what, what is the treasures that he's talking about here? This word treasure, lay not up for yourself treasures on earth, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. And uh, this word treasures is a storehouse for precious things. Did you know that there's a scripture that says, bring your tithes to the what? To the storehouse. Because you're laying it up because that storehouse is precious. It's where you get your spiritual food. Right? It's actually the word thesaurios, which we get the word thesaurus. And you may not know this about me, but I love thesauruses. I actually love reading the thesaurus because I like to get different words that mean the same thing. Right? And... Uh, You know, if you've heard me give a definition, I give more than one word because I love a thesaurus. Amen? So these treasures are treasured thoughts stored up in the heart and mind. These treasures are a receptacle for valuables. Here's what the Amplified says. Do not store up for yourselves material treasures on earth. In other words, what's he saying? That you shouldn't have anything? No. He's saying don't make material treasures your first priority. It's okay to have them as long as they don't have you. You understand? Okay? So it it says here in the Amplified, don't store up for yourselves material treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Amen? And then look at verse 21. This is why he tells you to be careful where you place your treasure. Verse 21, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be. What you treasure, you put your heart into. What you treasure is what you value. With your time, talent, and treasure. Okay? Wherever your treasures are, they will affect your soul. Whether positive or negative. Treasures direct your heart and your life. Right? They cause you to... Open up your pocketbook and spend the money. You know what? We all spend money on things we love. Amen? You invest what you love and you support your passion. And that's, that's a good thing. So our time, talent, and treasure reveal our focus. It's what you're focused on. It's what you're fixed on. Okay? Treasures in heaven are exempt from earthly damage. And wherever you fix your treasure, your heart will be there also, because you'll think about it, you'll delight upon it, and it'll move you. How many has ever been, had your heart touched with a cause? That cause caused you to take some action, didn't it? Because it touched you, it impacted you, it affected you. Right? And, and when something affects your heart, it's going to affect your life. Your treasures and your heart are connected. Conne- there's a connection between your treasures and your heart. 
Okay? Whatever we make our treasure gains possession of our hearts. Where your treasure is, that Jesus is talking here. Jesus can't lie. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Okay? We have to use our riches and our treasures for heavenly purposes. Amen? We have to use our treasures for things that are accompany salvation. Why? Salvation is a good investment. Did you know the Lord's interested in salvation? How do we know? He sent his only son. He made his greatest investment into the opportunity of salvation. He invested into a bunch of sinners that didn't even love him. While we were yet separated and sinners from him, he died for us. You know why? God treasures you. That's why he shared his treasure with you. He, consider, he considers you a, a special treasure to Him. To God, you're priceless. Amen? Say, I'm priceless. How do we know? Because of the cost that He paid for us. God wrote an unlimited check signed by His name in blood. Hallelujah. So, when we are involved with treasures, our heart, our feelings, our disposition, our tendencies will reflect that. Now, so the Bible is telling us don't lay up treasures on earth. It's not, he's not saying that we shouldn't have things because we're going to find at the end of this chapter that when we put God first, He'll make sure that we have all the things that we need, want, and desire. Amen? But it's a matter of priority. It's a matter of value. It's a matter of importance. Serving God is the most important thing you can do. The most important thing you can do on the planet is please God. I put here in my notes, don't be a hoarder. But be an investor and a distributor in God's kingdom. Why? A hoarder is selfish. How many's ever seen that show, Hoarders? Woo! That that's that's some stuff that goes on there, right? A hoarder is selfish, materialistic, and fearful. They never want to get rid of anything. That's why they're hoarders, and they attract rats and bugs and all kinds of vermin. Amen? But a giver, a giver is generous, willing to share, and kind to others. And you know, it's funny, a hoarder wants to hide their hoarding, but they can't hide their hoarding. Right? It's impossible to hide because it's there. It's seen. You can't put a blanket on it. What's all this stuff underneath this blanket? A hoarder has no vision and has small thinking and is small-minded and can't see beyond their stuff. But a giver 
has a large vision. It's, he sees into the invisible. He sees the potential and the possibility of giving. Do you see the potential and the possibility of giving of what your seed can do? The potential of your seed. A farmer sees the corn before it's ever sprouted up from the ground. Why? He puts corn seed into the ground and he knows that corn seed is going to produce corn. And one seed produces multiple seeds. He sees it. He sees the potential and the power in that seed. Amen? A hoarder ends up losing their stuff to rust, decay, and deterioration. A giver prepares for the future and invests in things that have eternal value. Amen? Hallelujah. Go with me to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. And we're going to look at a parable. This is a parable of a rich fool. And in starting with verse 13, Luke 12, verse 13. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. (laughs) And he said to him, man, who made me a judge or divider over you? And he said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. A covetousness is along the lines of greed. It's wanting something so bad that you'll do anything for it. Even wrong things. And he spoke a parable unto them, starting in verse 16. And he said... The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. Would you say that's good ground? Right? He had an abundance. He was a good farmer. Crops grew. He had good ground, good water. Right? It brought forth plentifully. You know why God gives you plenty? So that you can share with others. Because say this, say it's not all about me. I'm in it with someone else. Right? We are in the body of Christ, and the body has many members, but one body, right? And he thought within himself. I want you to notice how many times he refers to himself in this parable. He thought within himself, saying, what shall I do because I have no room to bestow my fruits? What's he thinking of? Only himself. His vision is limited. He's not thinking about anybody else. He's thinking of his corporation, me, myself, and I. Okay? 18. And he said, this will I do. I, I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there there I will bestow all my fruits and my goods. I will store. All he wants to do is store up. He's not distributing, he's not, uh, he's not uh, distributing anything. He's storing up everything. Okay? And I will say to my soul, soul, you have much goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Notice, no one else is invited to the party. But God said to him, what? You fool. 
This night your soul shall be required of you. Then whose shall these things be which you have provided? So, so, is, so is he that lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. How many want to be rich towards God? I want to give my last breath, my last drop of sweat, my last ounce of energy in serving God. I want to be strong to the finish. I want to do my utmost and my highest for God. How about you? See, materialism has a strong pull. And it's easy to get caught up in the material of materialism. I'll never forget um, when I was at Rhema, Keith Moore shared this story when he was an instructor there. Now he he pastors in Branson, uh, Missouri and Sarasota, Florida. And uh, he really wanted this Corvette. You know, he likes cars that go fast. And um, God was telling him, don't get this one. All right. He had a warning from God. Don't get it. But he wanted it. And he wanted it more than what God was telling him against it. Now, I know that none of us has ever been there. Right. And so Keith got it. And he said it wasn't but a couple of weeks later where he was driving down the road and a rock hit his tire and blew it out. He said that was a $350 tire. And he kept having problem and problem and problem after getting this car. Well, God said, don't get it. You know, we need to take listen to those things, right? Listen, God's not denying you of pleasure because he'll give you something better. See, God knows the full story about that thing. And so he ended up selling it and he, he lost money on the deal. Right? But that's what happens when we don't listen to God. And uh, let's go back to Matthew 6. All right? Matthew 6. We're getting ready so that we know how to put first things first. Right? He's building up to this. Okay? Did you know that in the Bible, the last shall be first and the first shall be last? So God's putting the first last at the end of this chapter. Okay? So be careful what your soul is into. Verse 22. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye be single, your whole body shall be full of light. You know, you've got to be a person of focus and purpose. Amen. How many has ever been driving on the road and something distracted you while you're driving? You turn your head or something. What happens to the car? It goes that direction or it goes to the direction that you don't want to go, right? You know, oh, oh, right? I've done it many times, I know. All right? But I'm a good driver because my father was an insurance agent. <laughs> I had to be a good driver. <laughs> Amen? You, so if your whole eye is single, if you're, if you're focused on good things, 
you're going to, what you're focused on is going to come into your life. All right, verse 23. But if your eye be evil, your whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you be darkness, how great is that darkness? Wow. That's pretty interesting. What captures your attention shows up in your life. Why do you think God often said, behold, or look, or, right? He was getting their attention because what captures your attention enters your life. Okay? You're either focused on darkness or light. You choose your focus. If light is out of focus, adjust the focus. Right? You can do that with a camera. A camera has a lens on it. And you can determine how much light you want to come into that lens. A little bit or a lot. Right? And when your eyes, when it's darker, your pupils get big. Why? Because they're trying to take in as much light as they can. But when it's super bright, they get really small because they don't want you to be blinded. Amen? Isn't it awesome how, how God made the body work? What you look at affects your understanding, your judgment, and your affections. It stirs up something. The light admitted to the body, this is from the Cambridge uh, Study Bible, the light admitted to the body uh, to be distorted and obscured by diseased medium, how great will the darkness be? Like, if your heart is bad, you're going to be focused on bad things. Right? Have you ever heard the term cold-hearted? Right? They do something without affection, without emotion. They're just cold. All right? That's what, because they're focused on darkness. And the whole thing is dark. The whole body is dark. Right? They need, they need a light flushing out. Right? See, this is what Vincent Word study said. This is interesting. Seeing falsely is worse than blindness. If a truth will free you, a lie will bind you. Seeing falsely is worse, worse than blindness. A man who is too dim-sighted to discern the road from the ditch may feel which is which, but if the ditch appears manifestly to him to be the road and the road to be the ditch, what shall become of him? False seeing is unseeing. On the negative side of blindness. Go to Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5, verses 20 and 21. Listen to what this scripture says. We're going to get to Matthew, we're going to get to the end of Matthew today, so don't worry. But notice what Isaiah 5, verse 20 says. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Listen, when the Bible says, woe, you're in trouble. That means, woe means you better stop what you're doing and change immediately. Who turn darkness to light and light to darkness. Who replace bitter with sweet and sweet with bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. 
What did Jesus say about the Pharisees? You're blind, leading the blind, and you're both going to fall into the ditch. It's about having a darkened soul. Look at verse 24. Same chapter. Because they have rejected the law of the Lord. Everybody said they rejected the law of the Lord. Do you know that simply by not doing what God says, you're rejecting the law of the Lord? When the Bible says do this, and you know that it says do this, and you don't do this, you're rejecting the law of the Lord. When you're not compliant with what God wants, you're rejecting the law of the Lord. You know, I used to work in a bank many years ago. My mom always said I'd be a good banker, but I'm a better preacher. I appreciate my time at the bank, but, you know, we had compliance officers. And a compliance officer was, make, was there to make sure that we were following the rules set by the governing authorities of the bank, right? Uh, all the different acronyms. And I don't remember them right now, but they're not important. But they had a compliance officer make sure that we were adhering to the standards. Who's the compliant officer of God? It's the Holy Ghost. Who does he speak to? He speaks to your conscience. That's why when we have a conscience that's clean from dead works, we can hear his voice more clearly. Because why? He'll help you avoid the junk. He'll help you avoid the traps. Amen? He'll help you get to the blessing. That's the Holy Spirit's goal. They rejected the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Therefore, the anger of the Lord is aroused against his people. He has stretched out his hand against them and stricken them. Oh, I thought God was a God of love. No, he's a God of righteousness and justice. And it is possible for us to tick him off. If you don't believe me, read Proverbs 6, seven things that ticks God off. Seven things. Proud look, boasting, lying, deceiving. God doesn't like that. And he certainly doesn't like complaining. But that's another message. Go to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. This is all part of first things first. What takes up most of your focus in your life? What place does God have in your daily schedule? Is it, I'll get to it when I can? No, it shouldn't be. You should make him first. Whatever that first is. If it's at night for your schedule, I mean, everybody's schedule is different, right? But you know your schedule. All I'm saying is, put God at the first part of your schedule, whatever your schedule is. Right? You find that time that works best with your schedule to put God first, right? If you're, you know, if if you like to wake up early, then put God first early. If you like to stay up late, then put God first at night. Amen. You know, God is flexible, right? The only thing he wrote in stone was the commandments. Everything else he writes on our hearts. So even though it doesn't change or compromise, there's fluidity. You know, God works with you. Just like he worked with the disciples. You know, how many times did Jesus go to the responses of his disciples? Like, you know, 
I can just see Jesus going to Peter. Really? Now, the Bible doesn't tell us that. I'm just speculating. Mark chapter 7, verse 20. He said, that which comes out of a man defiles a man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts. Oh, I thought the devil was my problem. No, the heart is the problem. You know why the heart's the problem? The devil's been defeated. The devil has absolutely no power over you. He can't make you do anything. So he's not the biggest problem. How can, you, how can your, your biggest problem be someone who's been utterly defeated? Jesus whooped him. The problem is what we put into our heart and what we allow to come out of our heart. And if we're focused on the wrong thing, our heart's going to be darkened. Evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murders. You know, murder starts in the heart. It starts with hatred. And if you let that hatred seed grow, it, it turns into an action. And that action ends up murder. Thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, my favorite word, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within. That means if you shut your mouth and don't let it out, you'll be good. Did you know a thought unspoken dies unborn? The enemy could put a thought in, you need to hate that person. And you could say, no, I'm going to love that person. You know what? You just destroyed that negative thought. Amen? So, darkness defiles, and these things darken your heart or your spirit. Go to Romans chapter 8. Did you know that God needs to be first in your affections? I mean, Jesus even said, anyone who, who loves father, mother, sister, brother, or child more than me is not worthy of my kingdom. Whoa. That's pretty harsh. No, it's not. Because when you put him first, let me say first. God needs to be first. Amen. Your most important priority, your highest uh, goal. Then he'll work everything else out. When God is first, you'll have a better marriage. When God is first, he'll help your finances. When God is first, he'll enhance your relationships. When God is first, he'll help you be a productive member of society. When God is first, amen, he'll work everything else out. But he's got to be first. First in finances, first in affection, first in thought, first in action. Amen? Make Jesus the first responder. Respond to him first. Pray first and then ask questions later. Amen? Romans chapter 8. You always got to be careful when you're talking and not turning. Even though I have the scripture, I want to read it. Romans 8 verse 5. For they that are after the flesh. I want you to notice that phrase, after the flesh. In other words, the flesh is their focus. 
They're fixing their eyes on the flesh, what the flesh wants, what the flesh feels, what the flesh desires. Okay? They're after the flesh. Do mind the things of the flesh. See, so they're always thinking about fleshly things, right? But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. You can either be thinking of fleshly things or you can be thinking of spiritual things. Amen? Aren't you glad that we have options? We don't have to just, we're not just a fleshly person. We are a spiritual person. And now that you're born again, the Spirit needs to, he, He's in control. The flesh lost His seat of authority. Alright, verse 6. To be carnally minded, that's fleshly minded, focused on the flesh. What is it? What does it lead to? Everybody say death. That's not a good thing. Alright? But, to be spiritually minded is What? So if you're putting the flesh first, you're going to encounter death. But if you're putting the spirit first, you're going to encounter life and peace. How many want life and peace? Peace means nothing missing, nothing broken. Life eternal. Amen? Verse 7. The carnal mind is enmity against God. In other words, it's hostile. When we were without Christ, the flesh had a hostile takeover. And we were dominated by the flesh. But now that we're born again, we can say no to the flesh. Everybody say, no flesh. I mean, come on, treat the flesh like a puppy dog. It has to obey you. It has to do what you tell it to do. God... For it is not, the carnal mind is not subject to the law of God. Why? Because they're not, read, they're not even reading the law of God. It's not its focus. It's not its priority. Oh, I know it. I don't have to read it. <laughs> yeah, you just told me that you need to read it really bad. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. How many have got the Spirit of God dwelling in you? So then, you're not in the flesh based on that. Right? What does that mean? You're not bound to the flesh. That means when the flesh wants something that you don't want it to have, you can say no, and it has has to obey. Amen? If my flesh wants to walk to the right, and I don't want to go to the right... I say no, and it doesn't go to the right. Amen? But notice, it's what you're thinking on. It's what you're focused on. It's what you're fixed on. This, this passage here is talking about putting the flesh first and God next. Okay? So, God wants your body full. Let's go back to the book of Matthew. We're, we're making progress here. We're at verse 24. All right? Matthew 6, verse 24. We're almost to the finish line. No man can serve, notice, serve two masters. 
For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon was a false god of money or finance. Notice, if you're serving money, then money is your slave master. You're doing everything based on the voice of money. Money is a tool, not a master. Money needs to serve you. Say, money serves me. Money is good. You can buy food with money. You can buy clothes with money. You can put gas in your car with money. Amen? You can provide for your future with money. Say, money is good. It's the love of money that's evil. Money itself is not evil. It's the love of it. It's the covetousness of it. It's the greed of it. That's evil. And you don't have to have money to have, be covetous of it. But it's, it's, a, it's what your focus is. A person could be poor, but all they're desiring is to be rich like so-and-so. I want to be rich. I want to be... They're not even thinking about their life or their purpose. They're thinking about so-and-so and what so-and-so has. And they're making that their focus. They're putting money first. Alright? You can't serve two masters. The NLT says you can't serve God and be enslaved to money. How, how do you not make money a slave? You be a giver. Amen? You be generous. Hallelujah. And when the devil gives you problems, say, I'm going to give more, sucker. He'd be like, oh, no. Amplified says you cannot serve God and mammon, money, possessions, fame, status, or whatever is valued more than the Lord. Notice that it's, it's about our perspective. What has the greater value? The greater value you give more attention to. Amen. Is it bad to have money? No, Abraham had money. Genesis 3, 2 says Abraham was very rich. I'm going to say very rich. Solomon used silver as wallpaper. That's how rich he was. His temple cost $70 million. Or billion. I forget what it was. In today's terms. So Isaac was... Wealthy. Jacob was wealthy. Amen? Esther was a queen. She was wealthy. Joseph was in charge of all the finances of Egypt. He was wealthy. Daniel was wealthy. He kept getting promoted. Every interpreted dream. He got promoted. He got nice clothes, gold chains, money in the bank. Amen? Money's not bad. But it's, it's your perspective about it. It's your focus about it. It's what's first. I can go through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and point out lots of people who had money and were godly. Amen? You can be both. See, I can be both. See, I can be rich and godly. Amen? I mean, who owns the gold anyway? All the silver and gold God says is what? It's mine. Who do you think put it in the earth? Who do you think uses that as pavement in heaven? Trump doesn't even pave with gold. But God pays with gold. Amen? 
I like Trump, so don't, don't think that negative. Did you know that Elijah confronted Israel? He said, how long are you going to hold between two opinions? Either Baal is God or God is God. You've got to give up one opinion and go for it all. You, what, what, what does the Bible call a person that's holding on to two opinions at the same time? Double-minded. What does a double-minded get? Nothing. Right? James 1 tells us that. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. What did Jesus come to do? Did he come to be famous? No, but was he famous? Absolutely. He came to do his father's will. He came to die on a cross and give his life as a sacrifice. How many would, be, would accept God's purpose if you knew that you're, you're, you're supposed to die? How many would say, yes, Lord, pick me? You know, we're going to have a dying to self-conference. <laughs> and it, <laughs> I'm just kidding, by the way. It's going to be the least attended conference ever. <laughs> we're not having one, but you know what I'm saying. All right? If you're going to serve God, you've got to be all in. God doesn't accept part of your heart. Do you want, part, you want to be partly saved? So, you know, we want to accept Christ's investment, but we want to give God a small part of us for his investment. He gave all, and we want to give a part doesn't work. Okay? You've got to be all in. Your whole heart. Everybody say my whole heart. My whole soul. And all my strength. So you, you've got to be in God with your spirit, soul, and body. You, you've got to be fully invested. Amen? How, if you're all in, say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Alright? Let's go back to Matthew chapter 6. Look at verse 25. Notice what he says here. Jesus is talking, right? He's teaching. He says, therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, or for your body, what you shall put on is not life more than meat and the body more than raiment. What's he saying here? He's saying don't let, don't be consumed by what you eat, what you wear, and what you live in and what you're going to drink. Amen? How many know in the wilderness God brought water from a rock? They came to a place that had no water. And they'd been without water for three days. And they were getting antsy. They were complaining. They were, start, they were going to start to pick up rocks and chuck them at Moses and Aaron, right? And Moses did the right thing. He prayed to God. See, Moses was God-focused. The people were flesh-focused. Because the minute their flesh didn't get taken care of, they started to complain, murmur, and grumble. Where Moses turned to God. And what did God do? He brought water from a rock. 
What did God do for food? He sent bread from heaven. What did God do with their clothes? They didn't wear out for 40 years. Well, that's a nice jacket. Yeah, I've been wearing this for 40 years. You like it? You read the Bible. Their clothes in the wilderness didn't. And we're not in the wilderness. We don't need clothes that don't wear out because God will give you new clothes. Amen? In the wilderness, they couldn't go to the store. They didn't have the means to do things. So God made their clothes not to wear out. But in the, once they got into the promised land, they were taken spoil. Amen? Glory to God. They got the garments that, of their enemies. Glory to God. So don't worry. Look at your neighbor and say, don't worry. Be happy. Life is more than these things. Verse 26. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather in the barns, yet your heavenly Father, what? Feeds them. Are you not much better than they? If you think you're lower than a bird, you're much more than a bird. Amen? If God can take care of a bird, he can take care of his son and daughter. But it's a matter of putting him first. Not second, third, or fourth. That means you put God's agenda first in your life, not your agenda. And whenever there's a conflict with your agenda and God's agenda, you ask the Lord what he wants. Right? Okay? Verse 27. Which of you, by taking thought can add one cubit to a stature. Taking thought is thinking. That's putting your focus on those things. How many have ever changed your situation by worrying? You know, if, if, if you have kids and, and you're worried about your kids, you better put your kids in God's hands, right? Because it's not... Worrying about them isn't going to make them come home on time. Right? Oh, I'm so worried. He's out so late. Oh, my goodness. Huh? You, but instead, you ought to say, the Holy Ghost will talk to me. Where you go, he'll tell me. <laughs> right? All right, verse 28. And why do you take thought or your concern for clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet, I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Listen, if God can clothe a flower, he can clothe you. You know, back when I was in college, they had a fire in one of the dorms. And um, one of my friends was in that dorm. His name was Mitch Taconikow. He's actually Fijian. I went to Fiji with Mitch in 1993. Um, he was our interpreter and, and, and stuff. And uh, so he lost his clothes. Everybody got out from the dorm unharmed. There was just a few minor injuries. But through all the smoke. So I gave Mitch, I had two really nice suits. One was eggplant, double-breasted suit. It was nice. And I had another suit. that, And I gave that to him because he didn't have any. Right? And do you realize... Since I sold those suits, how many times people have given me suits over the years? I mean, it has far exceeded what I've given. 
to the couple exponents. Amen? Say, God has a way of providing for me in any kind of circumstance. He can take care of you in a famine. He did for Elijah. He can take care of you when they were doing cannibalistic things in the city because the city was surrounded and it took four lepers to take a walk. Changed the whole situation. Elisha prophesied, he said, in in one day the situation is going to change. Amen? It doesn't matter what happens in the economy. You're on heaven's economy. Amen? You've got to trust God for these things. So quit trying to figure out in your mind how you're going to work it all out. Give it unto God. Look at your neighbor and say, give it over. All right? All right. Let's go down to verse 31. Verse 31. Therefore, take no thought, saying... You know what's on someone... How can you tell what's on someone's mind when they start talking? If you're thinking of negative things, negative things will be coming out. You cannot hide it. So if you want to wonder what's on someone's mind, just listen to them for a few minutes. Or what shall we drink? Wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek... For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of Him. Say, my Father knows. Yeah, He knows best. Right? And, uh, see, when you're worried, this word to be worried means you're pulled in two directions. That's double-minded, actually. Right? It means you're divided into parts. To worry means you're divided into parts. You're drawn in opposite directions. You're opposed to the whole. And you're pulled apart in different directions. That's what it means to worry. So when you're worrying, that's what you're doing. That'll put a hinder on your worrying right there, won't it? Okay? So then he says, verse 33 and 34, our last verses. But seek what? First, the kingdom of God... So, your, your primary purpose has to be God's kingdom and His righteousness, right? And what, what does He promise to those who put Him first? And all these things shall be what? Added to you. Therefore, take no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall have enough thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day uh, is the evil thereof. All right? So seek first God's kingdom. The, already, the, the priorities of your life matter. First things first. Right? William Law said this. If you have not chosen the kingdom of God first, it will in the end make no difference what you have chosen last. Or what you, what you have chosen instead. If you've not chosen the kingdom of God first, it doesn't matter what you've chosen instead. Because if you've not chosen to put God first, you will end up being destroyed. What is God's kingdom? It's his rule, his reign, his leadership, guidance, will, and plan. Seek first his kingdom. 
All right? You've got to seek first God's will for your life. Right? Instead of planning out your own career, with, don't plan your career without prayer. Young people, if you've planned out your career and you haven't prayed about it, how do you know that you're doing what God wants? If you haven't had a conversation about God with what you're doing, how do you know that God, how do you know that God wants it? <laughs> I, I heard something on, on Facebook the other day, and uh, a mother was talking to, about uh, her child, and, and uh, they said, you know, oh, my child just loves God. And I know that they don't ever go to church. And I'm thinking, well, how do you know that they love God? Amen? How do you know if someone loves God, you put him first? Amen? And what is his righteousness? Those are his requirements. His standard, his nature, his way of doing things, his way of living, and what pleases him. Amen? So we're supposed to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. We got, and you can't have a kingdom without a king. So who are you seeking first? Jesus. And you're seeking how he lived. How he did what he did. Why? He is our example. He is our pattern. We're supposed to live like Jesus lived. I mean, yes, we talk about his death and resurrection, but what about his life? He, he never committed a sin. He never talked back. He never complained. When people were spitting on him, when they were nailing his flesh, he didn't complain. He actually forgave them. When someone is doing the most harm to you, that's when your flesh would love to lash out. But you need to respond from your heart. Right? Jesus did not come to do his own... He did not come to offer his own opinion. He says, what I hear my father say, that's what I say. What I see my father do, that's what I do. Right? This is what Jesus did. He sought the kingdom. And he sought righteousness. He was righteous for 33 and a half years. He did not miss a step. He is the greatest example to follow. He made it possible for us to follow him. He gave us his spirit. He gave us his word. He gave us everything. Amen? You know, God's building the kingdom in this world. Are you part of the building program? Amen? Or are you letting someone else do what you need to be doing? Amen? We, we, we have to be actively involved in the kingdom of God. And that starts by putting God first, especially in our finances. Amen? What, what, what gets more of our attention? From when our income comes in, what's our first thought? What bills are we going to pay? What are we going to buy? Or what are we going to give to God? If it's not what are we going to give to God first, you need to reverse that order. Amen? Put God first. Why? When we don't put God first, especially in the tithe, we're in danger of a whole lot of other things. If you eat of this tree, what's, they, they had how many trees compared to the one in the garden? All this, I mean, they had an abundance of trees. Right? Banana trees, orange trees, lemon trees, walnut trees, all kinds of trees, right? And we could, they could eat of them. But all they had to set aside was what? One tree. And if they, if they ate of that tree, what's going to happen? They die. You have just given over the devourer. When you use the tithe for your own personal thing, it's dangerous. 
it'll end up costing you more. All right. I'm going to finish with this. You have to put first things first. All right? You have to have the right perspective, the right priority, and the right place according to God's Word. You need to have rightly aligned priorities to cause the blessing of God to abound in your life. Do you realize that the high priest couldn't just go into the Holy of Holies? He had to pass through the altar. Then he had to pass through the labor. Then he had to go into the inner court. Right? Before he could even get to the Holy of Holies. There was things that he had to do first. Right? He couldn't skip he couldn't skip a step. I know some of us like to skip steps sometimes, and sometimes God allows you, He accelerates things. But you know what? God is a God of order, not a God of confusion. God does things according to protocol. Right? So our first duty, priority of time. Every one of us have twenty four golden box cars every day. What are you filling those boxcars with? Are you overloaded? You know, if you overload the boxcars, your train will derail. Then we have to have, we have to have an excellence of value. You know, Caleb had an excellent spirit. Do you realize Joshua and Caleb, if you talk about people, they had to maintain a positive attitude surrounded by negative people for 40 years. They did not blame their atmosphere for their lack of anything. They maintained their faith and their strength in God. Everybody say they maintained. How do you maintain your faith? You've got to do a daily maintenance routine. Right? If you need an oil change, let God fill you with the oil of joy. Amen? And with diligence, you've got to, show for, you've got to have an excellent effort willingly offer the best that you have to Him. Amen. God ought to get our best, not our leftovers. Make your relationship with God your business and exercise yourselves in carrying, out, carrying it out faithfully. Say, my relationship with God is my number one business and I'm working the business. Amen. You are the CEO of your relationship with God. You manage it. God will help you, right? But how do you know? If you're going to find God, what do you got to do? You got to seek Him, right? All right. You have to go after a relationship with God with zeal, enthusiastic pursuit. How many enthusiastic pursuers do we have? You know, following God is fun, it's exciting, it's awesome. Amen? We ought to be constant and consistent to follow the Lord's prescription of a consecrated, separated, victorious life. Did you know that God's got the key to success? He told Joshua, he said, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in. Then you'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. But notice you've got to put the word first. You've got to put your relationship with the God first. Amen? First things first. Everybody say, first things first. Okay. Yeah, here's what I wanted to finish on. Priorities in the kingdom. Number one, your character. 
you need to develop the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering with joy. Amen? I would say long-suffering with joy. Priorities of the king in your life. You've got to seek to find, carry out, and finish uh, with joy the Lord's will. Is his will attainable? Can we discover it? He didn't hide. I mean, he hid it to those that don't believe in him. But to those who believe in him, every mystery has been made known. Priorities in the kingdom. In your relationships, seek to walk in, act on, and operate in the love of God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love them as I loved you, Jesus said. Right? These are priorities in the kingdom. In the world, be a light, be a witness, be an example, be a disciple for Jesus that inspires others. See, we've got to be a light. What does that mean? Let, let his light just shine through you. Right? In our walk, in our lifestyle, we've got to walk in the light, we've got to walk by faith, we've got to walk in new life, we've got to walk worthy of our calling, we've got to walk in wisdom, we've got to walk like Christ and walk in truth. In your church, be faithful, ready, and willing to serve, generous, prayerful, peaceful, and joyful. Amen? Who is the church? It's the bride of Jesus. So when you mess with the church, you're messing with his bride. You know what happens when you mess with a a man's bride? (laughs) You strike up jealousy. In your family... Priorities of the kingdom. Be a blessing, be a light, a defender and promoter of righteousness, and a fighter for the good fight of faith in your family. Kick the devil out of your house. Don't give the devil place. When he, when he, he starts to rise up, deal with it immediately. Amen? In your attitude, kingdom priority... Be humble, true, pure, forgiving, kind, compassionate, helpful, and encouraging. Encouraging. In your work, kingdom priority, be trustworthy, honest, diligent, submissive, a finisher, and responsible in your work. And then finally, in your finances. Tithe, offer freely, help the poor, be generous and considerate. Amen? You know the first thing that Hezekiah did when he became king? He repaired the temple. He was 25 years old. And when he became king, the temple was let go. It was in shambles. That was the first thing he did. He set the priests and the Levites in order. He got God's thing first. That's why he's listed as a righteous king. Amen? So first things first today. Say, I'm aligning my priorities with God's standard. I'm making things right. I'm doing what God wants. God, you are the most important person in my life. I put you first place. I will follow you with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my strength in the name of Jesus. 
And when our priorities are lined up with God, blessings are sure to follow. Blessings will flow. Things from heaven will happen in your life. Amen? Is there anybody here today that needs healing in your body? You need healing in your body or help in your life? If you need healing in your body, I want you to come up. If you need help in your life, I want you to come up. Amen? You know, any opportunity that we get from God to change or to accept His Word and way, that's a good thing. Amen? Oh, we serve a good God. And it's going to be a good week. It's going to be an exciting week. I mean, do you realize we're following resurrection and we're having this week now? Amen? And Jesus is going to walk in our midst. This place is going to be packed. The Spirit of God is going to move. Amen? And what you want out of this week, you put in. Because with the same measure that you meet, it will be measured back to you. Amen? Time, talent, treasure. Oh, aren't you glad that we got a place called heaven that we can lay up treasures in? You've got an account in heaven. What do the treasures do? They go to build your mansion. They go, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. He's preparing it. Let's send them abundant building material. Amen? Let's make sure that Jesus has all the building material that he needs so that when you get there, your mansion is ready to go. Completed. Amen? We do it by following Jesus here, by being involved in his work, doing his will. Amen? Anybody else need anything from God? If you need something, it's a good time to receive. Because we're putting God first. Amen? The woman with the issue of blood, she got tired of putting doctors first. And she put Jesus first. What happened? She got healed when she put Jesus first. But she didn't know to put Jesus first until she heard. But the minute she heard, she's like, yes, that's, that's it right there. I'm putting that first. Amen? What you need in your life? You know what? Your father works miracles. And he loves you so much. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we come before you. And I thank you, Lord, that you're working out everything according to your will, your plans, and your purpose. And I thank you, Lord, that nothing will be stolen, nothing will be missing, nothing will be broken, Father, but everything will work out. Because you're leading, guiding, and directing it. Father, I ask you to help her and to bless her in the name of Jesus and provide for her, Father. In Jesus' name, Lord, comfort her. Heal the brokenness right now. In the name of Jesus, Father, flood her soul with your light. In Jesus' name. And I just give you thanks and praise. Say, Father, I trust you. I do not believe on my own understanding, but I acknowledge you that you will direct my path.
You direct me to overcome. For your mercy you lead me into victory. And I am victorious. And I will win when this is all said and done. Because you're my advocate. And I trust you. Hallelujah. Till I lay my head down, I will sing of the goodness of God. Yes. And all my life you have been faithful. Lord, that wisdom helps him make choices and decisions, Lord, that are based on your will. And I just thank you, Father, that he has the wisdom of God. And he he recognizes a plan or a distraction of the enemy. Lord, and you help him in in the name of Jesus. Father, you're the greatest organizer and orchestrator of all times. Just fill his goodness right now in the name of Jesus. In the darkest night, you are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. Oh, Father, I give you thanks and praise that your servant Paul is a chosen vessel of you, Father. And Lord, you put in his heart a heart of compassion and a heart of love. Desire to share this and to and share that, Lord. And I just thank you, Father, that you bless so him in his giving. You direct his life in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I thank you that he makes good decisions and leading his family and choosing this or that or the other, Lord. And I just thank you, Father, that he seeks you first, your kingdom and your righteousness. Lord, he is aligned with you today in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that you're working out all things for his good. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, everything is being worked out in the name of Jesus. He is filled with vision and purpose. And he communicates that in love in the name of Jesus. Oh, I just thank you, Father, for clarifying the thoughts. You told us to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. And I just thank you right now, Father, that his mind is renewed and clear in Jesus' name. Receive the rest of God. Be blessed by his rest in the name of Jesus. And every burden and every care is being lifted off you right now like smoke off a fire in Jesus' name. Of the good man of God. Hallelujah. Oh, let's stand to our feet and let's give God praise as we align ourselves with Him. As we put Him where He needs to be. Oh, we give you thanks and praise and glory, Father. We're putting you first in this church. We're putting you first in our lives. We're putting you first in our families. I declare, Father, that anyone here today that has a family member that doesn't know you, Lord, you're working things out. Lord, we cover them in the blood right now, and we thank you, Lord, that you're sending laborers across their path to share the gospel in love and in power and in wisdom in the name of Jesus. You're bringing in our lost family members. Thank you, Jesus. The devil is not going to steal kill or 
or destroy. Why? Because God is our protector. God is our deliverer. God is our source of joy. God is our source of all good things. In the name of Jesus. Get ready for an increase of business activity. You have put your hand to the vision I've put in your heart. And you have taken the steps necessary. And I'm going to increase it. I'm going to bless it. And I'm going to multiply it. In the name of Jesus. And you know what? Putting God first is not based on your circumstances or your feelings. Because sometimes in, in the worst times, when you put God first and when you turn to Him, He brings out the greatest miracles. So don't, don't say because of this circumstance or because of this happening in my life. No, you put God first no matter what. And when you do, He will always, always, always bring you through. Amen? Oh, we serve a good God, don't we? A good God. He loves you. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you today for your word. We thank you that the Holy Spirit seals this message in our hearts and you continue to give us understanding and wisdom about it. And Lord, we love you and bless you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, Amen. We'll see you this week. God bless you.